Hello, everybody, and welcome to the HTML All The Things podcast, episode number 46, Freelancing, Contracting, and Remote Work. To be blatantly honest with you, I am 100% uh, surprised this is working because this is our third or fourth attempt at recording. But anyway, I am your host, I'm Matt Lawrence, and I joined again, joined again, hopefully, if it's working, by my co-host, Mike Coran. Now, we're, I'm just going to go quickly through the segments here because it's going to be a Mike, uh, Mike heavy episode. I, I kind of want to make like a buzzword for that type of thing when it's like a Mike heavy or like a Matt heavy episode. Can we have uh, like a like? I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like it's it. Can we have like something like you know how like Sony used to be like Sony make dot believe you know what i mean like i want to make like a slogan for it well i think mike heavy and matt heavy is kind of a slogan but i, I think that's the title and we need to we need to have like you know what i'm trying mike, to say mike like a heavy, quick like, a, like mike heavy like like ri- written points refined yeah, or something <laughs> <laughs> or just <laughs> like, refined yeah just refined yeah, oh, yeah just refined yeah. we gotta be gotta be really trendy and really minimalist just refined period <laughs> but anyway uh, so I'm going to go through these segments real quick, and then we'll go through our weekly pain points as usual, and then we'll uh, go through the web news. But anyway, so uh, segment number one this week is going to be what is freelancing, contracting, and or remote work. Segment number two is going to be our experience with that remote work. And then, of course, our recurring segment web news, which is this week going to be focused on influencers, as we all know all about them due to marketing. Now, we're going to jump into our weekly pain point, and I'll toss it to Mike. Go ahead, good sir. All right. So, weekly pain point this week has been kind of has been kind of like the same for two weeks. Is motivation. Uh, I've been having tr- like I've been trying to organize my days a lot to make sure that I get the most production out of the day. Uh, but a lot of the times, I would get like just run into a wall because I just have so much to do, and I start like that starts to screw with my motivation to do anything. So I'm trying to kind of control that. Um, it hasn't been like a complete wash, which thankfully I've been better at like, you know, completely washing my days. I used to have a problem where if I ran into like, you know, roadblock after roadblock, I would be like, okay, this day sucks. And I would just stop. But now I can at least power through it and get some work done, but I haven't been as productive as I want to be. So that's kind of what I've been trying to work on this, these last couple of weeks. Hopefully by next week, I can get through it and be my usual productive, productive self. Uh, what about you, Matt? So this week, uh, this week is kind of uh, on the tail of a huge migration that we did last week. I think we mentioned that in the, uh, I think that was my weekly pain point last week was we were doing a big old migration last week, and so now it's sort of uh, email madness. So it's sort of the fallout from that, and uh, passing information back and forth between multiple parties and that type of thing. So it's just more or less a volume of emails, not 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 that they're problematic emails themselves. It's just there's emails all over the place from you know, follow from that. And then there's of course the regular work all the time or regular work, which comes in all the time at random. So that's basically been my weekly pain point, just straight up email madness, as I'm sure we've all experienced. So I'll toss it actually over to you again, Mike, uh, and you can start your refined episode. Let's refine this. So segment number one, what is freelancing contracting remote work? So uh, just going to be good doing a quick overview of what it is, and then we'll kind of jump into our experiences with it. So freelancing and contracting allow a person to function as a company and allow the ability for another company to hire them for a certain amount of time, but not fun- work as an employee of that company. So you're able, they're able to pay for your services, but not put you on a full staff kind of uh, with all of the stuff that goes with full employment. 
Uh, and the difference between freelancing and contracting, it's minimal. So I'll be kind of re- referring to them as one big thing in this in this episode, but know that there is a small difference. It's usually the time frame and the like the the scope of what you're hired to do. A freelancer is usually hired to do smaller project to project stuff. Uh, whereas a contractor will give, be given a longer time frame and more either a large project with a lar- larger time frame or more of like a, I'm hiring you on a contract. You'll be working on multiple projects at the same time. Uh, and you'll be kind of working with us during that time. Whereas a freelancer is like, here's a project. You do it almost on your own and then give us the result. So those are the kind of two things. Other than that, everything is the same. The process of uh, payment and everything is almost exactly the same. How you do it, how you do it also is very similar. So again, purposes of this episode, same thing. Uh, now with both options, companies can ask you to work locally, like in their offices. Uh, but for the purposes, again, of this episode and of more of a software focused uh, thought, thought it's not very common for a remote, like a freelancer or a contractor to be brought in locally into an office. It's more, it's more common to have an offsite or remote work kind of environment while you're doing the freelancing and contracting. So we'll be talking about that more, more, more than anything else. Um, uh, so yeah, other than that, like companies don't really care as long as you complete the work that's, a, that's assigned to you. So just make sure that like that, that's kind of what contracting and freelancing is is different than normal employment where whereas normal employment you kind of go through and you can you, you do your day-to-day tasks uh it might not be on one pro- one project it might be on multiple projects and yeah it's important to finish everything but it's more important to show up and do your work whereas contractors and employer and and freelancers it's more important for you to finish a project than show up to work and the thing with that too is is when when something is software so when you're making something like a website or something like that that's you know a virtual good you know it's easier to justify a remote worker when it when it's something not tangible like that so as is just a real you know rudimentary example it's not like mike and i are trying to you know solder the same circuit board and we just keep mailing it back and forth he does one part i do another you know that's that's outrageous most of the work that is done is done you know conducted over phone calls and meetings and all of that can be done the same way like remotely as it is in person if you think about it realistically a lot of the time you're probably calling your boss, you're not necessarily talking to him in person. And even if, let's say, you know, you do talk to him in person a lot, that's not to say that a phone call couldn't just one-to-one replace that exact same, you know, contact. You know, you're not getting anything more, you're not getting anything less out of that. It's exactly the same. And in, like in addition to that, a lot of companies will justify having remote workers just because it keeps like a lot of the cost down. So utility... Utilities obviously go down because you have less or maybe no workers at all in an office. And oftentimes you'll often keep the rent down. So some companies will have a small office where they keep some local workers that maybe do need to work on tangible goods, shipping or doing something like that. Whereas, you know, sometimes if it's just pure software, so like Mike and I, we don't, we don't have an office like, or like a formal central office at all. So nothing needs to be rented. Nothing, nothing needs to be shipped from us. There's nothing. There's no benefit right now at our scale to for us to have an office. There's only benefit, no utility, no rent, you know, or lower. Like there's no office rent. There's no commercial property is what I'm trying to say to deal with. It's only all local stuff. That's that's kind of what we're what I'm trying to get at. There is a lot of companies where they, they can spend millions and millions and millions of dollars on, you know, a huge office. But if they could, let's say, keep 
they said that I guess they keep all the staff, but they cut out half the staff. That's less lights, less printers, less everything running, and the company's still running exactly the same. So that's kind of how companies justify it, and the amount of workers generally actually doesn't change. So yeah, that makes perfect sense, and it's a it's a good it's a good point to bring up as well as in this episode we'll be mostly talking about the advantages from the actual worker's point of view, so from the actual person that's doing the freelancing and contracting. But there are a lot of benefits, and uh, also obviously a, lo- a, f- a few disadvantages to actually hiring contractors. And we're actually in the process of uh, of getting our first contractor uh, spun up right now, which has been really interesting and uh, kind of brought out the idea for this episode. All right, and on to segment two, our experiences with remote work. So although we're technically not freelancers or contractors, as we have our own company, uh, we do almost all of our work remotely. Now, obviously, there's some differences in that. Like, we do have some local work as well. Uh, but for the most part, even our local work is technically can be done remotely. Uh, we do very, very few face-to-face meetings uh, only when they're really, really required because some customers obviously appreciate that. But for the most part, it's all email calls, stuff like that, stuff that can easily be done, even if we're in a different state, province, etc. So we don't have an office for all intents and purposes. Uh, we're pretty much just contractors and freelancers. So let's assume that we're contractors and freelancers for this uh, for this segment. So we've been working on one remote contract for almost three years now. So that's been a big remote contract. I'd say we're contractors in that regard. Uh, and we've also had few like freelance co- types of contracts as we've been working even on this big contract. So we have kind of experience with both the small and the large and the large portions. Uh, and I just want to state the kind of advantages that we see, the disadvantages of, of being a remote worker and how we started and the suggestions I would give. Obviously, it's not like a path you can really follow 100%, but at least the structure of what I would do to try to start again if I were to do that. Um, so let's start with these some of the advantages. Work from home. I mean, working from home is obviously a huge advantage for a lot of people, uh, maybe not all, but for me, it's a huge advantage. Like right now, I'm recording literally in my bedroom I have all my office equipment here, everything's set up just the way I like it. I can roll out of bed, jump into my chair and start work, start my work day. I don't have to, you know, worry about traveling and stuff like that. Um, Working from any place and in quotes that has good internet, obviously. (laughs) Uh, I have worked in places that have bad internet. That has been a pain. Do not recommend that at all. So as long as you find a good place with good internet. So that means that like you can kind of break up your days uh, sometimes sitting at home all, every day, all day will kind of drive you nuts. Uh, so you can go to a coffee shop around you that, you know, has seats and good internet. You can go, uh, I sometimes go to the Royal Botanical Gardens around here, which has uh, Wi-Fi all across the, the premises. It's awesome. I can sit on a bench there. I can go to their tea shop. I can kind of just, you know, I can choose where I want to work on particular days now. And for most, and for the most part, I can do any work that I want there because, you know, my laptop can handle it. Um, and I kind of set myself up to make sure that I can do any sort of structure. I can pull in any repo that I need to do. I can run any dev server that I need to. I just kind of, I adjust my workflow to make sure that I can pick right up on my laptop, uh, while I'm working on my P on my personal computer, like at home, my desktop. Uh, I like the ability to work while I'm traveling. So uh, prior to this year, I was actually traveling quite a bit. I was going to Russia pretty often. I was traveling to the States a few times and stuff like that. And I don't like it when like I have to say that I need to, you know, take a week off because I have to travel. 
Uh, I'd rather be able to, you know, say I'm going to have different hours as I'm traveling or even like I'll be able to adapt to the hours and be able to have regular work days while I'm traveling. And it gives me the opportunity to not only, you know, continue to generate money and generate income while I'm going places and seeing the world, but also be able to kind of have that consistency with my employers so that if I do need to go somewhere, I'm not leaving them high and dry uh, and I'm able to still continue to do work efficiently. Um, that's a huge thing for me. I think that's one of my probably top things at, for, for co- contracting and freelancing is that flexibility. Like when I used to work in an office or when I used to work, uh, in like, I, I used to be a cook in a restaurant. It was really always that, like that game you play with them of being like, okay, I need to take a week off in two months in advance. So you have to talk to them, get, get approval from HR, go through the whole process. Sometimes they'll be like, no, that's going to be a really busy week for us. We can't let you go. And then you have to change your plans. I hated that aspect of being con- constrained in an office. Um, and that's definitely one of the, my biggest motivations for going as a freelancer, as a contractor, as a business owner, um, setting your own hours. Uh, I think this is a huge one. I think every person works differently in different hours of the day and being able to adjust your schedule to be more productive is a huge bonus. Like if you're not a, you know, nine to five person, which I'm pretty sure most people aren't nine to five in my, in my honest opinion, I think you kind of force yourself to be that when you have to. But realistically, you would probably be better off if you're a night person, you know, working at night, if you're a day, like morning person working in the morning. And if you're and I'm kind of a hybrid where I I like to work in the morning, but I kind of hit a lull at around two o'clock. And then I have like at two o'clock is when I do some of my uh, like errands that I have to run some of my mindless work and stuff like that. And I'll pick it back up maybe at around like five or six or after dinner, I'll, I'll work another three or four hours to make up for it. I'm better in the evening, uh, maybe not late at night, but better in the evening in the morning than I am in the afternoon. So I work around that, which is a huge advantage. And this is one of the things that you can do as a contractor. Uh, you can pick and choose who you want to work with and who you don't want to work with. This doesn't always work out. Obviously, like you, you don't know a person until you've worked with them for a little while. But for the most part, you can at least have that choice of if you did not enjoy working with the person, you can stop working with them in the future. Whereas if you were locked into a job, that's not really up to you to decide for the most part. It's mostly like your your employer and he makes you work with anyone that he needs you to work with. And it's not really your choice. You have to just live with it. As a contractor, you can be like, okay, I understand. Like during the process of even creating a contract with them, during the process of going to the back and forth, if you feel like this relationship will not work out on both ends, then it's probably better for you to move on to someone else. And that's obviously the the ability to be picky and choosy will come with experience and, and come with uh, some stability that you get. Like at, at first, you're going to be like, want to say yes to every single contract. But eventually, trust me, you'll want to uh, start, you know, choosing your projects carefully and making sure that you work well with the person that you're working with. Um, the other thing is, of course, the projects. You'd be able to choose any project that you want, any project that interests you rather than just anything that comes onto your desk and you have to complete it. Uh, that, that kind of is a big motivating factor for me as well. Like I, I really enjoy working on interesting projects. It's not always interesting. Like work isn't 100% all the, t- 100% awesome all the time, obviously, but at least I get to choose and kind of direct the projects that I am going to be working on, which is, uh, again, a pretty awesome advantage. 
the ability to use the latest stable technologies. I think this is a big one. So a lot of times when you get into an agency or you get into a, uh, a more, you know, office job, they'll have their technologies that they use, like bootstrap, whatever, like whatever they've been using, WordPress that they've been using for years and years and years. And they're very, unwilling to change because it's worked for them for so long now you can understand their point and stuff like that because they have so much structure around these technologies if they change they have to put all that like the documentation and internal documentation in their company they have to update that it's a big process to be able to change like a larger agency's structure and the technologies that they work with whereas a freelancer and a contractor it's up to you to decide what you want to work with it's up to you to decide what is best for each project. So you can be working at, on for this project, you can be using Vue. For that project, you can be using Bootstrap. For this project, maybe maybe WordPress is amazing for this project. You know, like it's, it's extremely, you can use technology to fully, to the full benefit of its potential. And I think that's a huge, huge advantage. And it's it's one of those things that like, it's it's tough to relate to someone that hasn't been able to like, be agnostic in that way, be, be able to use all these different technologies. Because not only are you like, you know, getting your knowledge base up and being able to be more versatile, you're able to provide really, really good service to your clients and, you know, cutting edge service, making sure that it's stable. Of course, like you're not going to use a framework that was made yesterday, make sure that you're using technology that's tried and tested, but at least you have that choice. Um, another, another huge, like big one for me. And I used to work, uh, I'm, I, we, we, I live in Hamilton, which is just outside of Toronto, downtown Toronto. It's about an hour away. I used to work, I used to work downtown Toronto and the drive from Hamilton to downtown Toronto was about anywhere between 50 minutes to about three and a half hours, depending on traffic. And this next one was, this next one is no traffic. The ability to control your hours, control I mean, if you, even if you have to go into an office, you can control when you go into that office, stuff like that. Like if you can avoid traffic and you can, if you can avoid that time sucking environment and you losing all that time to, you know, for anything else that you could do in your life, that's a huge advantage. You can use that time to work more. You can use that time to spend with your family, whatever you want to do. Traffic is a big one. I, I know a lot of people out there are stuck in traffic a lot of the time. You might be stuck in traffic right now listening to this podcast. I'm sorry, but uh, it, I've been there. Trust me, I've been there for a long time and, uh, it sucks, but it's definitely a huge motivating factor for me to not get back into that kind of situation. And then another one is a, a potentially a better work-life balance. Now this depends on the person. Some people, when they freelance, might make it an even worse work-life balance, but I know uh, I'm actively trying to make sure that I have at least some balance between the two. Now, some days it's not going to work out because you just have to crunch, uh, and you have that flexibility to be able to determine those days for yourself. Uh, but for the most part, I, I, I like the fact that maybe I take the afternoon off every once in a while to spend some time with my wife, to uh, be able to do some errands, to be able to get a structure around around everything. Uh, and that gives me, you know, it, it's not in that time where I'm tired or anything like that. So I'm fully active and it, it's nice. I, I, I like I like the work-life balance of a contractor. I know it's not for everyone, but it's definitely it's definitely for me. And having the ability to work remotely means you're available for more opportunities. So you can't be, you know, you can't be moving around to three different cities to appease three different clients. But if you're conducting work via those remote means, emails, phone calls, etc., then you're able to easily do work with companies internationally. And when you start using those methods, like emails and calls and that type of thing, you're actually used to using them. So you have solutions in place for, you know, shipping large files to people, 
You have infrastructure set up so you know, oh, hey, I'll call you on this. You know all the different call apps, et cetera, et cetera. So you're literally just used to doing it. And it'll be exactly like as if someone was in the office or even just locally where you had to call them kind of thing. So that's one of the big things is you're actually opening yourself up for more opportunity because you're not pigeonholing yourself of, hey, I can only work with people in Toronto or, hey, I can only work with people in Hamilton. You can work with anyone pretty much anywhere as long as they have an internet connection and you have an internet connection you're good to go yeah absolutely and that makes like that makes you again more versatile as an employee so let's say you did do contracting for a bit and you had a couple of really good uh experiences and you had you made some good connections even if you go back to being an employee those that experience of you being able to communicate with all these different people at all these different times is going to be extremely beneficial for you as as an experience i always like to look at things where worst case scenario let's say it doesn't work out what do you get from it so if you don't get anything maybe it's not worth it but for the most part you're always going to get life experience you're always going to get some sort of like reference you're always going to get some some connection you're always going to get something that you can take back and use in a future endeavor so that's why i like to look at things um but with with all that being said obviously like if all these advantages this all sounds great why wouldn't everyone be doing it and there are some very uh, significant disadvantages as well. And you really have to, when you, when you're going through the process of deciding if you want to become a contractor, freelancer, or like doing remote work, you have to really sit down and think like, can you do this? And, you know, go through both the advantages, disadvantages of everything. Maybe just try it out for a little bit. Uh, so the disadvantages here are tough to keep focused and on track. So if you're one of those people that kind of needs structure, like extreme structure, to be able to uh, do work for the, you know, the eight hours a day of, of your job and make sure that like, you know, you're sitting in an office with a bunch of people around you doing work to motivate you. This isn't really for you because again, you're not going to have anyone around you to motivate you. It's going to be you and only you for the most part uh, to be able to get stuff done. You got to be able to sit down and get stuff done. Now, at first, this might be a difficult thing and you might get better at it. So don't be like, don't be hesitant to try it. At least that's what I, that's what I would say. Is like if you're if you're bad at it right now, as long as you're able to see yourself being good at it at some point or, or wanting to become good at it, I think that's what's important. Uh, but if you see yourself as you know just hating uh, working alone, then maybe this isn't for you. So another thing is it's really hard to get started. Uh, it's it's one of those things where like you really want to do it and then you're like, well, but what do I do? Like I can't apply anywhere. Like I can't you know. I don't, it's not a job. So I have to, how do I get a contract? Um, and I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit more in the next section, but like, you just have to think that it's one of those things where you have to really do it yourself. Everything here is like, do it yourself kind of thing. So you have to be willing to do that. Uh, you have to buy all your own equipment. So if at work you get a laptop, you get uh, all the other equipment that you would need to do your like software engineering or web web development. Here you have to buy yourself your own laptop, your own computers, your own backup solutions, your own your own software. Like yeah, there's a lot of things that you have to buy that, and and it, it kind of adds up as you go. Like before when we were starting out, we we're like, oh, we have our old laptops. That should be enough to do web development. And really, it's enough to do the basic stuff. But what about backups? So okay, now you have to get like some sort of cloud storage and physical storage. So you got to get some sort of backup going what about uh software like what if you want to do some editing like some some video editing some photo editing oh now you have to get an adobe subscription slowly starts adding up so and that's all on you to pay for and you have to make sure that your contracts are able to pay for that um you also need to be multifaceted so not only do you 
do code now, but you're the sales guy, you're the accounting department, your HR, your customer relations, you got to be able to do all those things and put it on your back and be able to, you know, push it forward. You got to be good at all those things. Now, some of these things as you get bigger can be outsourced for sure. Like you can get an accountant, uh, you can get some other contractors working for you to do this kind of stuff. But at the beginning, you definitely have to be able to do it. You have to be able to talk to customers, you have to be able to file your taxes, stuff like that. So make sure that you're willing to take on that extra responsibility. Um, you don't have anyone to fall back on if you get sick. So imagine at work, sometimes you just, you, you know, you have a sickness and you can't go in that day. Well, you usually have other employees that can kind of pick up the slack, uh, make sure that your clients are taken care of and stuff like that. Here, th- it's all on you. You're sick. Well, you have to be able to communicate to your customers that you can't do it. And if you have a deployment, uh, that's not really an option. So if you're sick, you're sitting at your computer doing a deployment. Um, I mean, we, we did a, we did a migration a couple of days, like a, last week. I'm sure if Matt was sick, he would still be sitting there and doing that migration and coughing up a storm or whatever. But it, it's one of those things that like you can't, unless, obviously, unless there's a severe condition, you're not going to be able to push anything back for the most part. So you have to make sure that you're able to take that kind of responsibility on yourself. It's also harder to find a mentor. It's harder to get help from other pe- like people in industry. It's not as easy as, you know, turning to your, to the cubicle partner or going into an office of your, uh, of your superior and asking for help. It's more like you have to go on a form. You have to go do something else. Like you have to find the people that will help you. You have to, you have to be kind of your own mentor sometimes. You have to find, find the help online more than, more often than not. And it's, it's also tough to gauge, um, how you're doing because if you don't have anyone doing code reviews for you if you don't have anyone doing any sort of uh you know helping you out or giving you a a code base to follow it's tough to gauge if you're doing okay and this can also lead to imposter syndrome we had an episode about that a few episodes ago because you don't know if you're on the same level as everyone else you it's harder to compare um Work can be unsteady. This is a big one. Uh, and this was a big one for us when we, when we were first starting out. So it's harder to plan anything like financially ahead. It's harder to plan like, you know, you want to plan buying a house. It's tough, like especially if you're first starting out because, yeah, you might have some contracts now, but what about six months in, in the future? Are you going to have the same contracts? Are you going to be earning less or more money? It's You can't you can't plan ahead like you can with a regular job where you have, you know, your $4,000, $5,000 a month paycheck and you can plan that, you know, two, three years in advance. You can see that either increasing or at least being being there for you for the most part. Uh, so this, this is a, it, it is a pretty big disadvantage. I could see it being a big deterrent factor for people with families, uh, people with mortgages to support. It's, it's a kind of a stressful thing where you're like, this week I might have some money. This month I might have some money. Next month I might not. So you have to be able to balance that. So maybe when you're going into something like this, if you're, if you're married, if you're with a partner, it'd be nice if one person still had something steady or it maybe you have some good savings to fall back on, stuff like that is, it's important to think about that kind of stuff when you're starting out. Um, another, another smaller thing is like no employee benefits. So you're not going to get your dental. You're not going to get your health care. That's all on you to get. No RSP matching. So you're not going to get your pension. You're going to have to worry about that yourself. Again, you're kind of being your own accountant here. You're kind of being your own doctor. Like, I mean, not doctor, but, you know, you're supplying yourself with your own, uh, w- with everything that you need while a company would, you know, have benefits for you as you, as you're there and you don't have to worry about paying them and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, w- w- with that, like those, these are big disadvantages and you should be taking them seriously when you're considering going into freelancing. But again, I, I did say a lot of advantages as well. Nothing in the world is as clear cut as 
you can't be clear cut on everything that you do. You can't be nothing in the world is really clear cut. Uh, if it would be, again, everyone would be a contractor and we wouldn't be able to find work. But really, it, it, it does take a person that's willing to put up with the disadvantages and that's really – that weighs the advantages that I was saying, like staying at home, uh, working your own hour, stuff like that, more than the disadvantages. So you got to kind of weigh it, weigh it yourself and decide. Um, and now I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go through how we began – uh, and what we did to start and, and some other things that we picked up along the way that we, that I, I think I would suggest other people to do. So one big thing, uh, and what that helped us is have a great network of people around you. Uh, when we first started, and we've said this story multiple times, we were start, we were thinking about IT, we were thinking about web design, we were thinking about many other, many things, but what really helped us jump in and be like, okay, let's do this is the fact that we had, a con like a client lined up right off the bat. So someone had already come up, come up to us and been like, well, you're finishing school. Why don't you come and help me do our, do some IT work and then help us with a site, with a website. So we already had like a quite a bit of work lined up as we were finishing school. So we're like, well, let's do it. And while we were doing that contract, we found another contract at the same time. So it, it became, it became very evident to us that this is a good path to go on. Now, it wasn't as easy as that. I would say we those like, you know, we got a couple contracts here and there didn't give us like an amazing amount of income and stability, uh, but it was definitely a good launching point and definitely a good start uh, and, and great experience because after that, we were better at communicating, communicating with customers, uh, being able to uh, get more clients through our connections and stuff like that. So it was definitely a huge part of it. And um Another, like, and to do this, to, to be able to get a network of people around you and stuff like that, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. And this can be one of many things. I know a lot of people out there are introverts and they don't like going to meetings and stuff like that. So if you're really introverted, uh, my suggestion would be join different, like, web development discords. There's plenty of web development discords out there. Uh, one of them being ours, actually. And it, there's nothing like, this is kind of like shameless, a shameless, shameless plug. self plug. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shameless plug, but it is a serious plug because if we were looking for extra contractors and this could happen, this is not, this is not out of the realm of possibility. And you were in our discord and an active member of our discord. And we knew like we were talking to you and we can work with you very well. Why not use that, that discord, like use that community to hire people that we already have advantage with. It's very difficult to find talented people. That's a very big problem. That's why there's so many companies out there that are trying to solve it, like Indeed and LinkedIn and all that. Like those, those are massive companies with multi-million, you know, like billion dollar valuations and stuff like that. It's, it's a very difficult problem to solve because on a larger scale, it's extremely, extremely hard. And when you get a good, a good worker, it's extremely hard to keep them there. So when you have a community around you, when you're in a community, it's a lot easier to go out to, to find other people that are looking for work, other people that are, hiring people and stuff like that. So again, shameless plug for our discord, but join it up. It's uh, it'll be in the show in, in the show notes. You, you never know what you're going to get from there because there's plenty of awesome, talented programmers in there that might start their own things at some point and might need help. We're, we're also going to maybe uh, expand. We might need help as well. It's just one of those things that you just want to get into as many, as many groups of people around, get as many people around you that are like-minded as you can. Um, with the abilities that you have. So if you're, if you're introverted, like I said, Discord is a great opportunity. There's other ways to do it. If you're, if you're willing to put yourself out there even more, going to talks, going to events around you, like software development events, web development events, 
talking to people there. That's a huge one as well. Like if you're able to do that, I would highly, highly recommend it. We haven't done that very much, mainly because we've been busy for the most part, but I would definitely like to do that more often in the future. Um, I would love to even like give talk, give a talk or something like that. I'm sure uh, it, it would be interesting anyway, nonetheless. But other than that, uh, follow industry trends. So make sure that you're Obviously, don't follow every industry trend. Don't get into the cycle of being able to like know everything that's going to happen. But if you see some a framework that's picking up really well and you already have a really good base of knowledge skills, then maybe it's good for you at this point to jump to that framework and learn it a bit so that when you get to a point where you're uh, trying to talk again, talk to a community, you have that knowledge to fall back on. So go to different technologies that are evolving. Stay up to date with the, with what's new in HTML5 infrastructure. What's, 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 you know, what's the next thing that's going to happen? It, it's important to be on top of things because as a contractor, as, as a uh, freelancer, you're going to have the ability to use those skills. Whereas at, you know, a smaller or like in a, in a firm or in, you know, non remote work fashion, it's not as important in my opinion. Uh, the other things is there's always sites like Upwork, Kijiji, Freelancer.com, stuff like that. Like it's there's nothing wrong with you trying to build up a profile on there and try to apply for some jobs. Worst case scenario, get some experience, you know, talking to customers on there, get some exposure. It's not maybe maybe it's not going to lead to anything, but it'll at least lead to you trying to evaluate yourself against other freelancers. Maybe. Uh, elevating your skills to a point maybe it'll just lead to you having your name out there and to like ironically leading on to my next point is being lucky we had we got really lucky with that as well like i i believe uh our largest client the one that i was the one uh that we've been talking about quite often on this podcast uh we've been with them for over three years now we got them by putting ourselves out there on a site what was it upwork uh guru I think guru. Yes. Guru. Sorry. So we got there, we got there putting our, putting ourselves on the site, like guru. Uh, we just put ourselves as uh Chrome, Chrome app developers on there. And the, the person he reached out to us, uh, I think it was through the site, but then we kind of merged away from that site and, and started working without that site. Uh, but we got ourselves out there again, we put ourselves out there on a bunch of different sites and, you know, you try to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. This was definitely, that was definitely our approach, shotgun approach, try to get as many, try to get our name out as much as we possibly can. And we got lucky again, it it was lucky. I would say, because it turned out to be a, you know, a great client. We had a gr- we have great client like relations with that client. Now we can, we don't see it really ever going away as well, which is huge. Like it, it, that's a rare thing to happen, but regardless, just having that ability, like put yourself out there, be in as many things as you possibly can, if you're doing it and grind, like it's, it's not, it's not going to be as easy as, uh, you know, putting an ad on one ad on Kijiji and then like just sitting there in front of your computer and staring at nothing uh, until someone emails you. No, you got to do many, many things. Try it. And ideally you would want to do it while you have something stable to fall back on as well. We didn't do that. We were just coming out of school, but that's, that would be kind of my suggestion. And, and with that being said, like, like you've kind of already touched on this, but like the smallest contact can lead to years of constant work. So you've already mentioned that like a couple of our a couple of our long term clients, you know, was just something as simple as just like a phone call. And sometimes it's kind of some people will like I guess it's part of like the part where you're saying you could be picky. I think it was in your advantages where you say you could kind of be picky with your work. But what we found is is that sometimes a a, a good client will at the very beginning request actually a very small amount of work 
and not actually state that it's kind of a test for you. And then as a result, you know, let's say you do it and you do that very first task and you don't do it well, they may actually be using that as a bit of a testing ground, again, without disclosing that. And then they'll like your work and they may employ you to do more, you know, right away or keep you kind of in their contact list for that. And and that's happened with a couple of our clients as well, where they've contacted us for, let's say something, um, I'll give it like a more specific example. So we had one where we were just fixing something for the, for the person. And then we ended up doing two to three projects with them afterwards. So just from that small fix, you know, all the way to this now where we're kind of doing a whole bunch of stuff for them. That's kind of how that grew. So yes, be picky, but don't necessarily, you know, toss stuff away because that when you're starting, you're trying to do everything, but don't kind of get cocky is just, I guess what I'm trying to say. You know, let's say you have three or four clients, you'd like a fifth, let's say, and there's a couple of people that are doing small stuff. You know, if you absolutely don't have time, sure, maybe not, maybe don't do the small stuff, but that small stuff has a, you know, a decent potential, at least an hour experience to grow into something better, or at least get you kind of on their contact list. And they might even refer you to somebody else. So don't necessarily just toss away those small things and, actually use them as an opportunity and kind of see that there may be a potential there just sort of a disclaimer or kind of a warning if you will because we've had some very much very uh, large successes by doing that type of thing now i'm going to move on here to uh, i think the web news now uh and uh you guys are not hearing the the problems we've had but this is the third attempt a third stab at recording this now at the beginning it was the second now it's the third, I believe. So this is being cut in repeatedly. We I literally we literally record for about fifteen to twenty minutes. My app crashes, and then I have to restart the whole thing. So that's uh, that's my life. But anyway, web- <laughs> <laughs> that's my life. That's just that's just the way the way of the road the way she goes. That's just that's just it. It's like it's just like how I uh, what I'll call a very small brief thing is Ricky a printer. Never get me to troubleshoot your printer because my troubleshooting will will include without plugging it in. If it doesn't work the first time, picking up said printer with like plugs and all, it's also plugged in, ripping it from the shelf it's in and tossing it straight into a garbage can. That's what I did to my printer out in the back. Please, please never get me to to troubleshoot your printer. Oh, I have a printer problem for you, hundred percent. I. I I do house calls. I <laughs> But anyway, okay, web news influencers. <clears throat> big printer influencers here. Anyway, influencers seem to be the next big thing when it comes to uh, to marketing online. And uh, years ago, even uh years ago and even today big names are used to sell products, but now with the internet, so big names I mean like movie stars and that type of thing. But but now with the internet and more specifically with the invention of social media, there are actually thousands of influencers trying to sell you anything and everything that you can possibly think of. So it, no longer is it just an actual movie star. It's just, you know, some guy that has lots of followers. So these influencers use a variety of tactics to maximize their followings on apps, uh, things like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. And due to the massive amount of followers of the followers that these influencers gain, it's obvious that their tactics uh, would pour over into traditional business social media channels that are just trying to sell their product more or less directly through their Instagram page or other channels. So what I mean by that, just a brief explanation would be, if an influencer is doing some sort of uh, growth hack, or not necessarily even a growth hack, but they're they're doing videos in a certain format, that the product 
like let's say just some product. So this influencer is doing it, you know, they're advertising a whole bunch of products. Some energy drink or something might see that and be like, hey, we should do, you know, these enthusiastic videos just like that influencer because those enthusiastic videos are getting, you know, a bunch more likes, a bunch more followers, giving them a bunch more followers. So let's do the same type of format for our for our product to sell it and we'll get a whole bunch more followers. So there's kind of like that mimicking. So should standard should standard company uh, media profiles start following into the footsteps? Okay, one sec. Let me re, let me rephrase that question. Should standard company social media profiles follow in the footsteps of the influencers that they often hire? That's a question. And should there be a clear separation in strategy? That's one question. Second question here, or the two parter question. Now here's the third question. Or it's the second question. What question are we on, Mike? It's the fifth or sixth question. It's at least the 15th question. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) next question. (laughs) Are there, uh, can you, can you tell I'm tired of restarting the calls? Are you, are there popular profiles out there that aren't considered influencers? So for example, if you have a lot of followers just because you post nice pictures, are you considered an influencer then? Or are you just using the profile or using the platform like it was kind of meant to be in the beginning? So, And now another one here, if someone were to start a social media presence online today, should they be acting like influencers to gain followers or are there different audiences that they should be tapping into? So that kind of taps into that first question, like I said, which is, should these company profiles be mimicking those influencers? And then the last question here, are influencers, quote unquote, the only way social media is useful from a marketing perspective? And I'll let Mike kind of take it away with that. And uh, give me your opinions on the influencers. It's a lot of questions, at least 750,000 questions in there. Yeah, there's not enough questions in here. All right. Uh, well, as an expert in influencers, <laughs> I've got, I've got some, some great advice for you. Um, so uh, should a standard company's social media profile be following in the footsteps of influencers that they often hire? It, okay, so for a clarification, what do you mean? Do you mean like – as the as the influencer decides to use their product, they kind of adapt to the way that the influencer uses their product uses the product that they're trying to influence. Or are you meaning like, um, using more influencers? Yeah. So I'll I'll give like just a straight up you know totally theoretical example. So let's say there's a mountain bike company right that's hiring an influencer. Okay, and it doesn't necessarily need to be hiring the person, but in this case, this mountain bike company is hiring somebody who uses mountain bikes all the time on their profile. That that mountain biker, right, the person, the influencer, has, you know, a whole bunch of bikes in their disposal. That week, they're going to ride that mountain bike that they're sponsoring down the hill and then say, like, hey, you know, use this mountain bike of brand A, right? They do, an, they do like, maybe three or four posts, and they're all super enthusiastic. They have, like, a whole bunch of – they have a real big caption the whole bit. So the actual profile of the company that is selling the the – the mountain bikes sees that, you know, they've hired this influencer. They see that and they say, Hey, you know, let's try to actually mimic that. Let's have that longer caption. Let's have that enthusiastic video. Let's have, you know, maybe more video content than, than posts. Maybe we, let's have a, you know, a mix. They try to mimic the, the formula that the influencer is using in order to gain the followers because clearly the influencer is successful on the platform. And so okay, they're basically trying, you, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like yep. the, the straight up company profiles, copying the influencer profile methodology uh i think i think personally that it it depends <laughs> and that's the biggest cop-out answer but 
Yeah, yeah. It's, okay, it's, and th- thank you for listening. Yeah, and- thank you for listening to <laughs> all this podcast. Uh, so, and, and I'll explain it. So, in some cases, I think that that's a great idea. If you're a smaller company and you manage to land a large influencer, because maybe the influencer saw your product by accident, really enjoyed it, reached out to you, and you then made a deal with them, right? You're a smaller company, the influencer is larger than you. In that case, it might be a really good idea to mimic what the influencer's been doing, especially if it falls directly under your jurisdiction. So like you said, the mountain bike thing is a good example. So if this mountain biker is doing a bunch of awesome mountain bike content on his Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and it's working great, he's increasing like crazy, and you're just starting out as a mountain bike company, it's it probably makes sense to take some cues from them. Maybe not mimic one-to-one because that's going to look weird if, if, if people really enjoy this mountain biker and most of your audience already subscribes to him. But take some pointers. Like go through his Instagram, go through his uh, – go through all of his social channels and see what he's doing right. I think that's a huge thing. Now, the other, th- the other thing I would say, and this really doesn't apply to anyone that's listening to this podcast, but I think as a large company like Nike or something, when they hire an influencer – I don't think they're going to like, I think it would be a bad idea for them to go in and try to mimic the influencer style because then, then people are going to be calling them like posers or whatever, whatever. Like it could be a bad, it could have bad backlash because again, Nike is usually bigger than the person that's influencing them. Like that use they're using for influencers because they're using so many. Right. Um, so I, I think it, and that, that's why it depends. But I think for the most part, anyone that's listening to this podcast and anyone that's that that's uh that's going to be going and starting their own brand of some sorts and wants to hire an influencer in any in any capacity it'd be smart to kind of take cues from whatever that that influencer is doing and i in my opinion when you're hiring someone or when you're using an influencer it's much more effective when the influencer actually likes your product um and i think ever anyone would agree with that obviously it can't be all the time like if you if you really want to hire someone specific and they're they're willing to do it then maybe that's different but if if you ever get get to the point where you can you know put it into a project like put your product into a person's hands and they really enjoy it and they're willing to to you know be an influencer for you because they like it that's going to come across a lot more genuine and that's going to come across as a lot more important like a lot more uh easy for the other for the people to consume and then be able to use your product or buy your product in the future so influencers are a huge thing and i agree that they are kind of taking over social media because even okay so let's go on to like the next one of the next questions you said uh, should a standard uh no are, are the popular profiles out there that aren't considered influencers are there popular profiles out there that aren't influencers and i want to say yes but i'm also hesitant and that's kind of scary because you think about it, social media wasn't really designed to make a million influencers out there. It was designed to be able to, for people to showcase their lives, their lives and stuff like that. Now it's become this thing where the, everyone just gets a certain amount of followers, gets a certain amount of influence, and then just profits from that influence because it's really hard to say no to that. Like, let's say you're a person that just started, like, that started out before this and you didn't have those bad intentions. Like, your intentions were literally just to share your life. With, I, don't, with, I don't necessarily think that's a bad intention to be an influencer. But yes, exactly. Right. Well, you, you were saying bad intentions. Yeah. So, like, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Bad intentions is, is a bad word. But, like, let's say that you you didn't start to be an influencer regardless. Okay. So, you, it's it's not bad or it's not bad. Or it's not great. Whatever. So, you're... 
you just started to showcase your life on social media because you have an interesting life. You you think people would be interested in it. But then all of a sudden you gain a bunch of followers. Uh, maybe you have like 50,000, 100,000 followers and you have email after email with companies trying to give you money. Like literally trying to give – here's money here, literally. Please showcase my product. It's really hard. Like I, I don't blame them for for saying, yes, let's do this. Because like it's hard to say no to free to, to money. And I think that once you get once you get bigger, it is really a responsibility that you have to showcase products that you do yourself enjoy because you have that option. But even let's say you're a smaller you're a smaller uh you know influencer, quote unquote, and that's your that's what you want your job to be. Now I don't don't think that that's a great way to live your life, but whatever. Like if that's what you want to if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. It would be really hard for you to say no to a product, your first product placement, your second or whatever, like your first few product placements, even if you didn't like it, because it's it's money. Like you're getting paid to do this. It's your job. That's what you're that's what you're considering as. So it's hard. I understand their conflict with this, and I understand why there are so many influencers out there. Because a, it works when people follow you when you when you follow people and you see them using a certain product, you like inherently know more about that product and inherently when a, when a situation comes up where you would need a product like that you're probably going to think of one of these products first the ones that you've seen you're not going to you're not going to think of a product that you haven't seen before so it's a smart way of advertising i don't think it's going to go anywhere um but it is it is kind of scary and a little bit concerning the fact that almost everyone that i that i can think of uh on instagram on facebook that's a large has a large following is probably you can probably consider them an influencer in some way shape or form like maybe that's not their main purpose on their accounts some people have really awesome photography accounts i can't i can't remember uh which one right now off the top of my head but there's like a really awesome photography account that i follow on instagram and i I think almost all their content is mostly just amazing photographs and amazing uh like they're they're just artistic work and they don't I don't i haven't seen any evidence any evident influencing on their part, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they've, you know, every once in a while mentioned a camera company or something like that in their description. And I I wouldn't blame them for doing that either. So, and are they an influencer? Are they not? I don't know if that's the case. Like, is there like, if you've at any time during your social media career mentioned a product for a profit, is that considered influencer? Well, that's the big, that's the big question, right? So it's, I think, I think the weird disconnect is that, is that let's, so for example, we, we created a, an H, well, we obviously have an HTML, all the things, Instagram, and, and we repost a bunch of people from the communities, you know, their web designs, their code stuff, whatever, right? It's sort of related to what we're doing. At the end of the day, it's because we have something tangible, which is the podcast, which is any sort of guides we write or anything else that we do, apps, whatever. Anything else that we do under this sort of brand is sort of connected to it. It would be weird if, if, uh, it shouldn't, it's not weird, but it would, it, it's strange to me personally to say, I'm going to create a, an Instagram page and I am going to just repost stuff and I then am going to advertise on that page. Because it feels like it's not what the intention of the platform is. With that being said, though, people do post things like uh, I'll 
I have an old like video game screenshot, like video game photography account on Instagram that's like not really active anymore. But like I used to post on there, and at the end of the day, the the if if that had taken off, I would be, be essentially be considered an influencer, and I would be advertising on there without any thought. You know what I mean? Because it's not like I'm doing anything evil, and I'm obviously disclosing that I'm advertising when I'm advertising. I think it's more. I think it's more. Um, not strange, but it's like a different class when the account is made for something tangible versus the account being made just for the fact that there's an account there. Like that old video game screenshot, video game photography, uh, web page or uh, Instagram profile that I had didn't have a website associated with it. Didn't have an app associated with it. If that Instagram account gets deleted, it's all gone. You know, with the exception of the files on my computer, that presence is gone. Whereas if Instagram kicks us off, Twitter kicks us off, Facebook kicks us off, if everyone kicks us off, we still have, you know, our own website. We can re-upload stuff, you know, to replace it, and the presence is still there. So it's like we're not we're not in it to become an influencer, but you can become an influencer because of what you're doing. Whereas some people are starting an account saying, okay. I want to get a bunch of followers going because I want to become an influencer. And what they're really doing, realistically, what they're doing is they're making a modern billboard. They're making a modern billboard that will attract a whole bunch of eyeballs with whatever it is, you know, photos or videos or whatever. And then because there's so many eyeballs looking in that direction, they now have a prime billboard spot where they can now sell ads in that spot. It's the same thing as the people who own a property down a highway and put a billboard up, you know, or like sublet it or whatever to another company that does billboards. And then they, you know, put up a big advertisement, you know, over their property essentially because it's pointing on the highway. You know, that person didn't buy that house because they wanted or buy that land beside the highway because they necessarily, I mean, maybe in some cases they did, but in general, they bought that land and that house to live on. They didn't be like, man, I can put a billboard on this thing. You know, they weren't ready to do that immediately. And so it's literally just the fact of monetizing that piece. But what I think what the the strangeness is, is that I think the word influencer, I, I, I would personally assign the word influencer to the person who doesn't have a product for themselves to sell like and I, and I don't mean an influencer is in like the English definition I mean like a social media influencer to me when I think of that I think of the person that specifically posts you know certain pictures certain videos certain whatever in a certain genre that attracts a bunch of likes and as a result they have a nice spot to sell things they basically have eyeballs looking at their profile and their posts and therefore as a result of that they can sell that that space that's it People like us, we can become like literal, like English definition influencers due to our following, but we didn't just create an Instagram and say, let's sell stuff on our Instagram. If that makes sense. I would say that there need, that there should be, or at least in my own head, maybe there's like that clear separation for me where these are social media influencers. These other people are influencers. Like if you take anyone who's like super famous, who's super famous, uh, just take some, some random, per- I don't know, let's take a nerdy guy. Let's take Bill Gates. Bill Gates is a nerdy guy. He's an influencer because he created Microsoft. He didn't create the Microsoft Instagram page, post a bunch of pictures of computers, and then start selling that space and they became super rich. He, you know, created Microsoft alongside some other folks, 
created Microsoft has that as a result of him being that he's really big social media comes around makes accounts he gets the followers because of that now he could I don't, and I don't follow him so I don't know but now he now he has a whole bunch of eyeballs looking at his profile he is an influencer because of that if he keeps posting stuff like potatoes should be like dyed purple you know and keeps influencing that ridiculous point some people are going to think hey maybe we should be dying like potatoes purple Right, he can influence that decision to an extent, or at least push that point onto however many followers he has. But he didn't join with the intention of gaining followers in that way. And I think this is where the where the 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 algorithm gaming comes in. And this is the this is this is the weirdness of social media now, where this is why everything feels really fake. Where people are putting like like if I if I just post a picture, I'm like, hey, I took this picture, I want to share it. I go and I share it. Generally speaking, in real life, I don't care what everyone else thinks, right? But at the same time, or like what everyone else, meaning like strangers think, you know, I'm more or less sharing it with my followers, I guess. But at the end of the day, I, I, you know, I need to put hashtags, I need to do this and that and the other thing to attract more likes, to attract more of that. You're trying to gain, gain traction on that particular platform. And that's where it starts becoming kind of fake because I'm, you know, people are starting to frame things a certain way, show things a certain way posted at a certain time of day because that's what the influencers have done to gain the followers without having a substance behind them in terms of a product or something like that right a a, a prime example could be like if you if if we uh what's a good what what would be a good example I, i actually i told you about this on the other show the other day so i watched this one guy that like dives for treasure right he dives for treasure on youtube i'm interested in those videos that's great so he goes and dives for treasure. That's why I'm there. Now, as a result, he has a bunch of products that he uses to dive for treasure. That if I were to ever do that, which I won't, but if I were to ever do that, I would be like the first thing that would come to mind would be like, oh, he uses this this type of tank. He uses this type of mask. He uses this type of life preserver. I don't know anyone else. He influenced my decision. If you asked me, hey, do you know of a good life preserver? I would. I could only. I could only tell you that he influenced that. Right. But he influenced it because of the other content. He did not go, I'm going to make cool diving videos with like that are, you know, 60 seconds in length, 30 seconds in length, whatever, specific for Instagram, just to game the algorithm to get clicks. He might be gaming. And when I mean gaming, I don't mean that nefariously. It's like everyone, you know, tries to play the algorithm to get more influences, to get more impressions, to get more likes, to get more whatever. But he didn't just do that. He maybe did that to draw people to the videos, right? I'm not saying he even did this, but like hypothetically, if he was gaming the algorithm at all, he was gaming the algorithm to bring people to the, to that, that content. Same with us, right? We would be playing, we're playing the game where, you know, we're trying to, we're we're legitimately sharing cool stuff we see in the community. We want other people to like do well. And we're trying to bring people into our podcast and our website. At the end of the day though, we're not trying to, I'm not just trying to sell people on the latest JavaScript book. You know, that's not my intention. If someone comes to us and wants to promote on our page, certainly I'm I'm open to that. I'm not saying that I'm against posting a commercial. And I don't think it's like an evil and nefarious thing. But I think that that's the clear definition. And I think this is this is this is where the line gets blurred because these guys only get followers and only get likes. That's their only intention. As a result, they've mastered doing that. And because everyone is a, everyone on the platform is actually after that, 
influencers are actually influencing the platform that they're using, that they used and are using to be an actual influencer. That's where it's weird. I know that's super long-winded, but it's a weird... Like, you you, you kind of get what I mean, though, right? It, like, everything kind of seems fake on Instagram and, and stuff. It's it, It's a weird... It's weird. Like, it, it, it's a weird feeling I get. And I don't know whether that's a generational thing where the kids think it's okay and, like, the old men don't think so. But I, I don't know. I think I think you do bring up a decent point uh, where it, it, is there a line? That That's really my question. I, I'm kind of of the opinion that there isn't. I think if you like, – like your example with the diver, if he influenced your opinion, he is just as – just – he is an influencer just like a person that's like trying to become a influencer on social media as well. You know what I mean? Like that, that's just the definition of influencer. And I know you're, you're trying to make it, you're trying to make not your own definition, but you're trying to classify the, the different kinds of influencers. It's, it's, it's like English influencer. And then there's like, like just English yeah. definition influencer, what I mean. And then, yeah. and then like social media influencer is like a, is almost like that's their actual job almost. Well, it is yeah. in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're trying to do the best they can to get as many people looking at them. I really like your, uh, uh, comparison with the billboard. The fact that they're trying to become that more, you know, coveted billboard spot for companies. And I, I think that's a, that's, that what I, is what I think I will classify. Like I'll agree with you there. If that's your goal as a social media, as a person that's going onto social media is to become a billboard. And that's essentially what you're saying. Like you're saying that these people that just try to get as many likes as many people looking at them, that's their goal. They want to get as many people looking at them so that they can sell that prime real estate. Then I would say that they deserve a different classification. Now, I don't know if I can call them social media influencers because I still think social media influencers too general. Uh, because again, I, in my opinion, someone like Gal Gadot or someone like, uh, whoever like d- does a lot of social media marketing, like she does marketing for Huawei. Uh, that that's why I br- I bring her up. She's wonder play actress that plays Wonder Woman. Um, she does a lot of Twitter marketing and and Instagram marketing for Huawei. I see her all the time on there. I, in my opinion, I would still classify her, even though she's a supermodel and an actress. I would classify her as a social media influencer still, because she's using social media to influence a product, um, through a marketing standpoint. But I think there is a different classification. I, I would honestly, I, I, I like the term billboard. I think we should call them billboards. Well, because it's interesting too, right? It's like she's an actress, so as a result, she is an influencer, and as a result, yes. her social media presence is there, and as a result, she's diversifying her portfolio by also promoting things. It's no yeah. different than years ago, and you know, still to this day, where big movie stars and that type of thing would would advertise things on TV, like, "Hey, I use, you know, I only chew big red or something," you know. I'm a movie yeah. star and I only chew big red. You should too. You know, have big, have a piece of big red. Then that's it. And that's a gum to be clear for everyone. But, yeah. um, it, it's, it's, I think it's the evolution of that. But I think what it's doing, I think the reason why I'm even bringing up this question is I actually think it's kind of, and this is, this is, this is almost hypocritical, I think, maybe, because I would, I, I'm not against becoming an influencer in any way. But I almost think like it's, destroying the platform if you will if that makes sense i don't know if that makes sense it's destroying I, I, it's destroying the platforms because there is 
like someone has min-maxed the way to to get followers and the yep. best way to do that in terms of like you know obviously if you go viral whatever but that's a random thing if you are specifically just trying to get followers there is a there is a best way to do that you know maybe there's a couple of different variations of that but there is a best way to do that and i think that it's different now than it ever has been back in the day you would like like you know you go to the movie theater you see you see Wonder Woman or whatever. You're like, oh, who's that? Oh, that's that actress. Go follow on Instagram. Boom, right? It's the movie that sold it to you. You didn't just go like flipping through. I don't know. Let's say she was a cosplayer for Wonder Woman. So you're like, you're just like, you're like flipping through your picture. Like, oh, cosplayer. Cool. Follower, right? Follow. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different thing. There's nothing wrong with either of them. But I just, I think what it's doing is it's, is it's everyone is trying to Instagram, in, uh, this is my ultimate thing, I think. This might be my, I don't know if this might be my final point, but this is the ultimate thing, I think, is I think that Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and oh, the whole bit, and I participate in this, and I have no problem with it, to full disclaimer, but I think it's becoming a game. And the reason why I think it's becoming a game is because, at the end of the day, Mike and I want clicks on our stuff, right? We want people to listen to our show and all that. We do, you know, we do, we, we try to put a, a good amount of work into the show, that type of thing, and we're a content creator. And it would hurt us to have nobody, you know, monetarily and everything, to have no nobody listen to our episode that we make. So as a result, we have to do things that other people do on social media. And it's almost like a game. Whereas if next week, Instagram people, like the Instagram elite, if you will, or whatever you want to call them, you know, they start saying, hey, you know, these influencers are saying, hey, you know, you should be putting only three hashtags on your posts. You know, this is a fake scenario, people. Don't do this. But like hypothetically, if they said, hey, you should only be putting three hashtags on your post because the Instagram algorithm is preferring that. I would be doing that. I wouldn't be just posting and being like, I hope people see our post because we <laughs> need those clicks. You know what I mean, though? It's yeah. like, but what it's doing is it's making it a game because there's a there's an invested interest in min-maxing it. And even though that always existed, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it almost feels more legitimate if someone comes into our podcast first and then follows us that feels like a more a more natural way of gaining a following whereas it's the opposite where we're getting a social media following pointing them toward the the thing and i think that actually that is probably what's weird actually if you think about it because that's that's brand new that's a new invention where it's weird to say like normally you'd be out in the street corner right if trying to sell your if you're you're on the street corner trying to sell your like I don't know you're you're up a bakery so you're trying to sell your 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 fresh baked bread you're trying to sell that you're out on the street corner and you're trying to you're giving out free samples of that bread the bread's taste brings the people into your bakery you don't have a bakery full of people and then you start building a bakery inside to make them bread you know what I'm trying to say <laughs> I understand what you're trying it's to say fucking but it's weird a very, it's a very difficult topic to uh, to express I think this is a like, this could be an episode on its own, in my opinion. It's like how the definition of social media and marketing and stuff like that, right? But um, I see what you're trying to say. Uh, and I I agree that I, I also don't enjoy it as much as, as I thought I would. Like, I don't enjoy the fact that I have to try to game the system. Like, I don't enjoy – it's not really ga- – okay, so instead of gaming, I'm going to say, like, just play in the system. Like, being able to, like – do what the system requires. But right. I don't, I also don't have a solution to the problem because if they 
there is an algorithm. There always will be an algorithm of some sorts that needs to be followed. Like you need to follow the instruct, like you need to follow the rules of that algorithm to be able to appear in the search. Like our point is we want to help as many new developers as we possibly can by telling all our stupid stories and telling them as much as we can about uh, the development industry as we go through it. As we learn more, we tell more of stuff like that. To do that, like you're saying, just repeating what you're saying, we need to be in front of as many eyeballs as we can to to get through to these to, to anyone out there. And for that, we need to kind of play the game. We need to make sure that we can that we have the right hashtags. We need to make sure that we're posting consistently and stuff like like, like all these little tricks that that you're told. Uh, we have to keep doing that to make sure that we're playing the game. I don't see any way around that. And I, but I agree with you that I don't like it as much because it just feels like you're, it feels ingenuine because in real life, I wouldn't do that. Is it, like, that's how I feel about it. Like in real life, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put all these hashtags on there. I would just, I wouldn't put like, uh, I wouldn't post like on a, on a scheduled daily basis. Like I would post when I wanted to post. Like that's not me in real life. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, you're adjusting to the way the way that you're supposed to do it in social media because everyone else kind of does it that way. And really it's determined by the platform. Like Instagram is the one that determines how you're supposed to do it and all the influencers follow along and all the people that want to go and be in front of people's faces follow along. In terms of classification, uh again, I I I I like your billboard algorithm. I think that or your bill your billboard uh like analogy where if if I think if you're a person that's literally on Instagram or Twitter or whatever to gain followers so that people will then give you money to promote their products, I like the word billboard. Like I think we should coin it and be like, they're a billboard. They're a human billboard. And that's and there's no problem with that, to be clear. Like, I mean yeah, I, that's I'm, a job. I'm open to doing that. Like whatever. Yeah. You know. And I'm not I don't have that, a problem that, with that. That's a job. Yeah. That that's literally a job. Like they're they're like I mean a billboard a billboard is there for a reason. It, it's it, it's one of it those, serves a function. Well, it, it's also one of those things where we would rather have people listen to the podcast without having to post on social media. We're one of the, we're we're people like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it feels more genuine if someone, and again, this would be through a discovery feed of some sort through a podcast app. But like hypothetically, if they just stumbled upon us, however, and listened to the show, liked it, and did that, that's great. But but like our social media presence is is a driving tool to our content podcast and then of course feature other things like guides and that type of thing it it's opposite of what it's opposite of what others are doing and i think that's the weird thing is because normally it's the product and the service and the whatever that bring people back it's not it's not like let's gain an audience and then try to sell them things it's usually like the product sells itself to an extent, right? It's like, I have this product, so I'm going to take a bunch of fancy pictures of it and then try to sell that. I'm not taking pictures constantly of the podcast and sending that out, right? Maybe we should. Maybe we should be doing clips. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yep, so, it could be. We're we're, reco- we're doing video video conferencing now. and Well, kind of. Yeah. We're freaking on three different yeah, freaking apps. Breaks, and, yeah. Holy yeah. Christ. But anyway, like... Yeah. I, I think, I think to, to my final... My final thing will be a question to the audience. Um, how were, were you a person that came from Instagram or Twitter or whatever and then listened to our podcast that way? Or were you a podcast first type of person and then, you know, followed us on all the, all, all social media? I'm wondering what the breakdown is. 
Um, my guess, and I'm just going to guess, I think more people listen to the podcast first, to be honest. Uh, but I, I'm curious to know. That's a good question, honestly, because, I mean, there's the discovery engines of the podcast. Mm-hmm. See, even that's a game, too. And so, and so, yeah. like, realistically... But we don't really do anything to game in that. All we do is post consistently. Like You post consistently, but you make sure that your your titles, you know, we make sure that our titles are not just episode you know, 46. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, so you are okay. hitting those keywords. Like, if someone types in web development and all those keywords, you know, tap into web development, it's like, boom, you know, you show up in a search result. And, and but I feel like we don't we don't go out of our way to do that. Like I like our titles. Like you know what I mean. Like I think that that's those are useful for the audience. Yes, yes, they're very useful. Where, like, I think, yeah, yes, exactly. Like I don't think that I personally don't think that hashtags are very useful to the audience. You know what I mean? Like when on Instagram, I don't think that posting every single day is useful to the audience on Instagram. Like too much. That's why it feels awkward to me. But having detailed show notes and detailed descriptions and stuff like that. Like I'm not going out of my way to make sure that there's a keyword in there for the most part. I'm making sure that it's just like the, the episode is represented correctly. That's it. Yes, I think I think that's I think that's the the difference, and and that could be a generational thing where people just say like, "Hey, we want to become an influencer," and you go and do it, it or maybe just an opinion thing where some people want to sell a product. I don't know. It's a weird. It, I just I I think I came up with this idea because I I heard on a another show or something where people were saying that. Social media feels really fake. And I always thought to myself, I'm like, back in high school, it didn't really feel very fake to me. Facebook was new. MySpace was dying. That 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 was my generation. And so, in terms of high school, and it didn't feel fake to me. Like, people were posting pictures or whatever. But they didn't post a picture specifically with, like, a certain brand in it. Or they didn't post a picture specifically with, like, certain tags on it to get, like, a million people to look at it. It was just, like, the algorithm would, you know, hand it out to the people that that were that had them friended, essentially. And that was it. And so I think maybe it's just the fact that it's weird to generate an audience to direct to someplace rather than having an item generate an audience and then you can direct the thing. I think there's like a missing step there or it's a different step is now the thing. And that's what's strange, I think, maybe. But I, I you know what? I'd, I'd also love to hear from, I think, you know what would be freaking awesome, actually? And I don't know whether there's any of them listening right now. It'd be awesome to have an Instagram influencer, one that literally became like a billboard on the show i think would be a super interesting conversation because they would know a bunch about how to update yourself on instagram how to upgrade yourself on twitter facebook whatever and how to keep that focus alive and like what the difference between an influencer and someone who's trying to just straight up sell a product you know like the like nike is trying to sell their shoes and whatever right that would be a super interesting guest so if you're interested in that and you have any interest in that you know shoot us a message on any of the things or email us or whatever, because uh, that would be a super interesting guest because like we, we don't know, you know, there's a hole in our knowledge there. So uh, I think we can, I think we're uh, good to go uh, before this uh, app freezes inevitably again, uh, unless you have anything else to say, Mike. Nope. Wrap her up before the app freezes. All right. So I'm going to talk really quick. No, <laughs> it's just it's like an auctioneer. <laughs> eh, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for listening <laughs> and make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. Uh, you can follow us on the uh, socials via at HTML, all the things, which is which is uh, for Facebook and Instagram, which is for, which is for Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we're also a, at HTML everything, which is on Twitter. Uh, we're on Medium at 
the moment, and uh, more news on that later. And we're all also on GitHub. And uh, make sure you check out our Patreon, and that's uh, patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. Check out the tiers, give that a go. And many uh, many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, which is uh, Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript. You can find him at youtube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Again, works is spelled W-E-R-K-S. As well as Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design. You can find them at localpathcomputing.com, as well as Craig, aka Cosworth. And of course, feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And we are signing off for the third time.